The Calgary Flames are mired in a season of outright futility on today's episode of Locked On Flames. Your Locked On Flames, your daily podcast on the Calgary Flames. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone. And welcome to today's episode of Locked on Flames. It is your host, Nick Zararis. Make sure you are subscribed to the show on whatever is your preferred podcast medium. We're available on all the major platforms, also available on YouTube if the video format is more your thing. This is Locked on Flames, where we cover your team every single day. And today, we're going to be talking about how futile this season has been. We've got a few handy-dandy resources to kind of explain some statistical things you've heard me discuss on the show over the course of the last couple weeks to kind of paint a little bit more of a detailed picture about where these struggles are coming from. We're going to talk specifically a lot in the second segment of today's episode about Jonathan Huberto and what hasn't worked for him in Calgary this season that did work for him in Florida last year. And then we're going to wrap up with an explainer on one of my favorite statistical categories, and those are microstats, which describe small impacts within the game, which are things like types of passes, zone exits, zone entries, all that fun stuff. So starting with the big picture, part of what's made this flame season so incredibly infuriating is the simple fact that this team cannot buy a goal in a clutch situation. You saw it last night against Vegas. There was every opportunity for the Flames to win that game. They were in, they battled hard. They got behind early and played their way back into the game. That is something that is worthy of being commended. The team has shown the ability to work its way through difficult situations. And the Flames have struggled this year in a lot of those types of games where they haven't been able to make things happen in difficult situations, where they have had substantial amounts of zone time against their opponents and still haven't been able to convert and put a puck in the net. And that's partly based on how the team is designed. And you saw me just moving my eyes back and forth there. If you're watching on YouTube, I was pulling up the uh, visuals I had for today's episode to illustrate some of the points I'm going to make, especially here in this first segment where we're talking about the team on a team-building level. So from a team-building perspective, it's one thing to have good players. Good players are ideal. You want to have talented and good players, but something that gets overlooked in hockey especially because it's very rare that you're able to acquire significant players in free agency or via trade because there's just so few in hockey. One of the things you have to consider is the fit. It is one thing to go get somebody who has a 100-point season with another team and then drop him in an entirely different environment. You heard me talking about this on yesterday's episode in the third segment with my guest Alyssa, where we were kind of discussing teams who aren't putting players in a position to succeed because the teams are asking them to play in ways they are uncomfortable. And in today's second segment, when we talk about Jonathan Huberto and the ways he hasn't been comfortable, we're going to talk about what's different in the way the Panthers played the last year and the last couple seasons versus how things have gone for him in Calgary this year. And you see me glancing down here at my notes. The first point I want to touch on in this subject in the opening segment where we're talking about just being able to find offense and how the roster is built. The Flames lack 
pure goal scorers outside of Tyler Toffoli. All due respect, Tyler Toffoli is having an outstanding season, the best season of his career in the NHL so far. He's on pace to eclipse the 30-goal mark, which is quite an accomplishment in the NHL. Only about, I want to say it's roughly 25 players in the entire league break that 30-goal mark every single season. So that's a real that's a real accomplishment. But Tyler Toffoli is really one of the only guys on the Flames who makes a tangible difference in terms of his shooting talent. So you're going to see me toggle on my screen here and pull up a visual, and that's not the right size. There we go. So part of what makes this interesting is I'm going to actually do this size so you can see a little bit better and make myself smaller. So above me is a scatter plot, which shows the relationship between passing on the horizontal and vertical, which is shooting. So on the vertical axis, the higher you are up, that means the more the more talented of a shooter are, that you are scoring goals more than what a replacement level player would from the shots on goal you are taking. Horizontally is the setting metric, which quantifies, are you setting up players to score more dangerous goals? Are your passes leading to more dangerous scoring opportunities? And you see, a decent chunk of the Flames team is to the right. They're in the first and the fourth quadrants of this scatter plot, which is showing you that they are above average at setting up decent scoring chances, that they create more dangerous scoring chances than replacement level players. The problem for the Flames, and you'll see this here as I look in and squint a little bit, the only players who are shooting above average are guys who don't take a lot of shots, like Zadorov, Michael Stone, Nick Ritchie, Walker Dewar, who don't play significant roles in this lineup, Tyler Toffoli, who we mentioned, Rasmus Anderson, who's a defenseman. You don't really want defensemen taking a lot of your shots because those aren't that dangerous, but Anderson gets the benefit of the doubt because he is also probably their best pure playmaker in terms of setting up teammates to create dangerous scoring chances, and he's one of the better offensive defensemen in the league. And then Dylan Dubé, who's in the middle of a, his first real breakout season in the NHL, and I'm going to toggle this back, and we're full screen again. Beautiful. So you that visual shows you what I've been talking about on the show for weeks. The Flames have so many guys who are great at setting up plays. They do not have the goal scorer to bury them. It's great that you can set up a cross-seam pass that goes from one circle to the other. Do you have the guy who can wire at home and beat the goalie? It's great. You're going to get the puck down low. Do you have somebody who can beat the goalie or out-leverage a defenseman at the net mouse and win a loose puck? That's been the real issue for the Flames this year. And as we kind of wrap up this first segment, and the point I want to close out with is this. It's great that the Flames have a talented forward group. You've heard me say it all season long. This is one of the best one through nine forward groups in the entire league. A lot of teams would be very happy to have this forward group. The problem for the Flames is this forward group has redundant skill sets. You have a lot of guys who play the same way. You don't have finishers. You have a lot of grinders and a couple of above average teetering on elite playmakers. Guys like Lindholm. Lindholm is probably their best raw offense, their best forward in terms of playmaking ability. Good shooter, not great. He was had a crazy goal-scoring season last year, and that was partly because of the environment they were in. The Flames were able to score a lot more last year because everything kind of clicked for them. Everything lined up. This year, it's fully reversed to the other end of the pendulum. When you are a team that relies on volume shooting, you need to have physical guys who can score down low. 
the Flames are should be looking to the Carolina Hurricanes model, where the Hurricanes don't really have any individual elite talent. Their best individual forward in terms of talent is probably Sebastian Ajo or the now injured Andrei Svechnikov. But neither of those guys is a top 20 player in the NHL. But those guys work hard, they complement the skill sets of the players around them, and that's what enables them to be successful with this group approach where it's based on cumulative offense as opposed to one or two guys carrying a bulk of the load. That depth scoring where every single guy in the lineup going down through the fourth line has at least eight to ten goals, that type of approach is difficult to pull off because it requires elite conditioning, it requires un otherworldly levels of compete. I mean, even in a loss last night, the Hurricanes really were the significantly faster team playing a Rangers team that is really high end in terms of its talent, but isn't exactly the hardest working. They don't move their feet a ton. They are inclined to get pinned in their own zone for extended periods of time. So if the Flames are going to run this back with this group and this coach and this philosophy, the conditioning is going to need to be better. They're going to need to find ways to maximize the skill sets of the guys they do have. And that's a beautiful way to transition into our next segment where we're going to talk about Jonathan Huberto. But before we do that, we have got to talk about Indeed. No matter how the last game went, anytime you take the ice, you've got a shot at greatness. Give your team the best shot at winning by recruiting more MVPs with Indeed. If you're hiring, you need Indeed because Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Indeed is the only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applicants that meet your must-have requirements or else you don't pay. Instead of spending hours on multiple job boards hoping to find candidates with the right skills, you need one powerful hiring partner that can do it all. Indeed partners with you on every step of the process. You find great talent through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, as soon as you sponsor a post, you get a short list of quality candidates with resumes on Indeed that match your job description and can invite them to apply right away. Plus, you only pay for quality applications that have your requirements. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes standing out as an applicant easier with things like assessments and other unique features that allow me to stand out. Indeed makes it easy to hire great talent. According to Comscore, Indeed is the number one job site worldwide, and Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. More than three million businesses worldwide use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring right now. With $75 of sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash locked on, that offer is valid through March 31st. Go to Indeed.com slash locked on to claim your $75 credit before March 31st. Indeed.com slash locked on. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to thank everyone for tuning in, hanging out this Friday afternoon as we record this episode of Locked on Flames. Man, it is getting tiring staying up on the East Coast time, in the Eastern time zone, to watch the Flames lose these one-goal games. There will someday be some statistical study about this level of futility. Like, even Sisyphus pushing that boulder up the hill wasn't this futile as the Flames have been this season. So, when you acquire a guy like Jonathan Huberdeau, who's produced over 100 points in a season, 
who's coming off of the best season of their statistical career in his late 20s, who's one year away from unrestricted free agency, you are expecting him to kind of succeed no matter what the environment. That's always the cliche you hear from evaluators, whether you're talking about the draft or if you're hearing from pro personnel departments who are talking about players on other teams. You expect elite players to be able to thrive no matter what the environment. If the situation isn't the easiest, they don't have a great supporting cast, the system maybe isn't ideal for their toolbox, their skill set, you still would be able to expect them to find a way. The problem for the Flames is that Jonathan Huberto has struggled to adapt to this environment. The Flames play a vastly, vastly different style from what the Panthers have done the last couple of years. The Panthers in this, I don't want to call it era because that implies something grander, more significant, but what makes the Flames so different from the Panthers? The Panthers are an up-and-down trade chances team, and they do that for a few reasons. Number one, their team defense, and that includes the forwards, but it mostly focuses on the defensemen, are not that great. They have a couple guys, guys like Ekblad, who are really good. But other than that, they are go- they're replying, uh, relying on creating more offense than the other team. They want to outscore you, and that's really rooted in their goaltending issues. Their goaltending, much like Calgary's, has not been good this year. They have struggled to find even replacement-level goaltending, let alone average goaltending. And in dealing with that approach, you have got to focus on your offense. You are going to be willing to concede defense at the stake- sake of creating more offense. That means... You are going to be willing to trade chances. You are going to encourage your defensemen to pinch in the offensive zone. You are going to encourage, you are going to encourage forwards to be aggressive, to go below the goal line. If you have two forwards below the goal line in the offensive zone, you are more likely than not going to get concede an odd man rush going back the other way. The Flames try to play a structured, rigid style of hockey where no matter what. Whoever has the puck knows what they're supposed to do with it. And I wish I had it. I was looking through earlier. In the third segment, we're going to talk about microstats. Maybe we can revisit this next week. One of the strong indicators that the Flames play a rigid style that's really replicable is how all of their defensemen are really good at breaking the puck out of their own zone, whether that be via pass or whether that be skating the puck out of danger. The Flames are one of the best defensive cores, one through six in the entire league at doing that. And that tells me the forwards are giving support in the defensive zone. They're making themselves available for breakout passes. That tells me that the defensemen know what they need to do with the puck, that they know when they look up from recovering the puck, that someone is going to be available in one of the spots for a breakout pass. And you'll be able to go from there. When it comes to Jonathan Huberto, part of what makes him so talented, so gifted as a playmaker, is his ability to set others up. He played last year in Florida the bulk of his ice time with Sam Bennett, Owen Tippett, Anthony Duclair. Those were his three most common line mates last year. Now, Tippett, only six goals playing with him. Tippett, kind of rookie. I believe last year was Tippett's first season and the full season in the NHL before he got traded to the Panthers in the Claude Giroux deal. And yes, uh, Huberto did get a little bit of run with Giroux after the deadline last year. But as for the purposes of this exercise, the Flames have struggled to set Huberto up for success in giving him finishers to play with. That is really the 
biggest difference to me. Like, yeah, he's played extended bouts with Tyler Toffoli. He's played extended bouts with Elias Lindholm, Nazem Kadri. Those guys all are guys who can score some goals. But though that's not their best trait. Lindholm is a distributor. He's a facilitator. He makes the players around him better by drawing defenders to him and setting them up. Tyler Toffoli is a pure shooter. I would have liked more of a Huberto Toffoli run, but because the Flames could not get offense going consistently, the lines were consistently juggled over and over and over again. And now we're at where we're at now. But And you got to remember, and I was looking at this before on HockeyVish.com, the bulk of the minutes that Huberto has played this season Nazem Kadri and Milan Lucic. Those are the two most common line mates Jonathan Huberto's had this season. Kadri is an ideal power forward. He's a good complement for uh, Huberto's skill set where he's going to go to the net, he's going to bang around down low, try and be physical around the net front for those ugly, greasy goals that all the hockey men love so much. But without the, the chance trading, without the inherent risk, the problem for Huberto is... A lot of Florida's offense was predicated on creating off the rush, getting the puck going fast the other way into the offensive zone, one or two crossing passes, and a shot on goal. The Flames, they just want to get the puck on the net. There is not that emphasis on setting someone up for a better chance instead of take, just taking the first chance you get. The Flames prioritize quantity of chance over quality of chance. And that means... When you gain the zone with speed, you're just getting it on net. You're not worried about, is the goalie screened? Is someone down low for the rebound? You're just shooting. You're just getting it on the net, and that's it. Part of what I would like to see next season, because you can't move Huberto. That contract is immovable. It's really expensive, and it doesn't look good because the guy is on pace for less than 50 points a year after going for 116. Finding ways to raise his ceiling. Because right now, all the Flames have done by forcing him into this style that the Flames play is lower his ceiling without raising his floor. It'd be one thing if he, the floor was raised by forcing Huberto to be a little bit more responsible defensively, focusing more on shooting as opposed to passing. But in changing the way he plays and forcing him to focus on the playmaking aspect, excuse me, forcing him to just get pucks on net, that is limiting his skill set. We talked about this in the third segment of yesterday's show in regards to Connor McDavid. It's great that Connor McDavid is a little bit more responsibly responsible defensively. But if you are doing that at the cost of him scoring 5, 10, 15 goals, you are defeating the purpose. Let your guys do what they are good at. Instead of harping on what they're not good at, focus on what they are good at and allow them to thrive. You are not going to get anywhere trying to get guys who are in their late 20s and early 30s to change how they play. They have been in the NHL as long as they have playing a specific style. You're not going to get that any – you're not going to be able to change how they play. All you're going to do is mess with their confidence, and you saw it. Huberto didn't get a shift in the last two minutes of the game against Vegas. He didn't get on the ice on that last faceoff with 20 seconds to go in the game. He wasn't out there, and that's because his confidence is shot, the coach doesn't trust him, and it makes everything all the more complicated. So it raises a very simple question. Can the Flames find a finisher to play with Jonathan Huberto to allow him to just whip pucks around the offensive zone and facilitate the way he wants to at a high level? 
So speaking of facilitating and creating at a high level, we are going to talk about one of my favorite things in my next in the next segment, which are microstats, where we can kind of get a little more detailed beyond just the points, assists, scoring chances, high danger scoring chances. We're going to talk about how teams make those things happen. But before we do that, we have got to talk about FanDuel. I know I stayed up to watch UCLA UCLA lose last night in most heartbreaking fashion possible to Gonzaga from the logo. The tournament is heating up, and there is no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. That's because right now, FanDuel is giving new customers a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Whatever you bet, FanDuel will match up to $1,000, and you will get it back in free bets. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and sign up today to claim your no sweat first bet. Then you can wager on everything from the money line to point spread to which team will be cutting down the net. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So don't miss your sweat shot at a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. When you join FanDuel today, just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel. I I'm not betting UCLA anymore. I don't know how many years I have defaulted in filling out my bracket and picking UCLA purely because I think McCronin's a good coach. I'm not doing it anymore. After last night where they came back from 10 points down only to lose on a logo three. Never again. UCLA, McCronin, no. It's over. It's Jover. I'm not doing it anymore. So. Now that we've reached the final segment of Friday's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about microstats and we'll squeeze in winners and losers at the end of the episode. No Jess is in here, but that's something I, I do enjoy. Winners and losers is a good segment. So microstats are what exactly as the name says, small statistics. These are not the ones you're going to see on any NHL broadcast, on any of the major statistical websites. These are things like what type of pass someone is creating, how many zone entries someone is creating, how many zone entries someone is preventing, how good you are at exiting your zone, the types of passes you're creating, all of these little detailed stats. They are mechanics of the game. They describe something that is happening. These are not predictive. They are not based on something happening. You are more likely to do this. Some of them do that. Some of them, like, if you create more high danger passes than low danger passes over the course of a long season, you will create more goals than somebody who creates less high danger passes. But for the purposes of these exercise, these statistics are describing something that is happening during the course of a game. So I'm going to toggle on here and pull up one of these visuals. And this is very simple. High danger passes. You hear me discuss all the time that the Flames do not create enough high-danger scoring chances, and they do not have anybody to convert these high-danger scoring chances. The problem for the Flames, and you'll see here on the scatter plot that's above my head because I made myself small for the purposes of you being able to read the scatter plot, and all of these visuals uh, on today's show are from HockeyViz.com and all three zones. I highly recommend you take the time if you are so interested in this type of stuff, it's worth the subscription fee. This stuff is really detailed and explains how things work. So you see all the different flames forwards highlighted on this graph. So horizontal, so left to right, those are shots off of high danger passes. So these guys are shooting quality passes they're getting from other teammates. And then up and down the vertical axis, those are guys who are facilitating. 
even in a season where Jonathan Huberdeau is going to have less than the half of the points he had last season, he is still the Flames' best high-danger creator. He sets his teammates up better than any other forward on this team in terms of high-danger passes. The problem for the Flames, they have one player who is league average, or excuse me, they have three players who are above league average at shooting off of high-danger passes, and that tells you that as a team, the Flames do not create enough high-danger passes. You saw it. It was Toffoli, it was Mangiapane, and it was Lindholm. Those are the three guys shooting the most high-danger passes. Aside from Toffoli, the other guys are not high-end shooters. Those are not guys who are going to be able to shoot, beat a goalie clean. If they don't have a screen, they're going to have a hard time beating the goalie with just their shot. They need more environmental factors to go their way. And that's one of the things I like about these types of microstats, these descriptive statistics. They can tell you details. If I'm trying to diagnose why something is happening, I am more inclined to start on one of those on the microstats on all three zones, which Corey Snyder does a fantastic job with, than I am hockey reference or hockey DB, because counting stats only tell you so much of the picture. A goal that gets deflected in off of a defenseman that still gets credited to the person who shot it, that doesn't tell me what happened. That only tells me somebody got lucky. Instead, if you are inclined to use these more detailed statistics, you can figure out the underlying reason for causes. Remember, I, nothing happens for one reason. There are always short, medium, and long-term factors that lead you to a situation. The Flames are struggling to score because short-term, they don't have enough high-end finishers. Medium, because they do not facilitate offense in too dangerous areas. They have plenty of guys to set it up, but they don't have guys to take those high-danger chances. And the long-term reason is the way they've assembled this roster. It's all interconnected. Anytime someone tells you ha something happens for one reason, they're missing the big picture. You know that expression, missing the trees for the forest? That's what we're talking about. Excuse me, missing the forest for the trees. That's the expression. Got mixed up there. Okay, real quick, winners and losers of the week before we get out of here. Winners of the week, most obviously the Winnipeg Jets, who are going to get into the playoffs because the Flames, according to Dom LeCision and The Athletic, are down to 6%. We are at playoff probabilities. I can do with my fingers here, folks. It is not pretty for the Calgary Flames. Technically, they're still alive, but it's not looking good. If you're a Sopranos person like I am, the, the DNR might have just went to Daryl Sutter's, Sutter's office. He might, it might be time to sign that DNR. Losers of the week. Anyone. Anyone. Who is happy with the current landscape of the NHL's inclusion policies. Uh, the Panthers, the Stahl brothers. I'm sure you guys really took the time. I'm sure you guys sat in a dark room and you prayed and you were asking for direction and you both came to the same conclusion in the exact same words to the point you were able to write an agreed notes app statement together as opposed to each of you writing something specific with a ton of detail about why you feel something. Instead, you just cited your religious beliefs. Come on, guys. Let's be real here. If you're both coming to the same conclusion, that doesn't to quote George Car Carlin, the great, the late great George Carlin. That doesn't sound like something God would say. That sounds like something humans would say. Okay, 
that will do it for today's episode of Locked on Flames, where we cover your team every single day. We will be back on Monday. Jess will be back from her extended trip. We'll talk a little bit about what it was like seeing the Flames get massacred in person against the Kings. A whole bunch of other stuff. Go check out another Locked On show. I am myself am going to go check out Locked On Wild because I want to know all about Matt Boldy's league-leading goals scored since February 11th. See you guys next week. Everyone have a good weekend. Be safe.